God is good all the time. I love saying that because I really believe this is one of the big battles we face each day. Remembering that God is good. He's good all the time. Especially in times like we are, times we are living in where things look like chaotic and it is nothing is in, under control. Everything looks hectic. Even in the midst of all that, we know our God is in control. Our God reigns. Amen? Today is, as, we may, as Pastor Min mentioned, second Sunday of Advent season. Advent season is four Sundays leading up to Christmas that we celebrate the coming, first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And last week, the theme was hope. This week, the theme is peace. And there are a lot of, you know, this is uh, Google search I did, and Pastor Mimi found something else. I like mine better. But anyway, it's not a competition. Anyhow, uh, it's always, always is for me. Anyway, uh, tied up to this message is humble God. Our God, way our God, ways of our God is humble. God who is humble, and his ways are always better than our ways, amazing in, in every way. Today, what you want to do is go into the Bible to look at one of the most beloved and well-known and, and, you know, and story that we are familiar with, especially on the, uh, about Advent, Christmas. We want to look into, actually, the birth of our Lord Jesus in Bethlehem, Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. And it's, I know it's a story that no, we know so well. I would like to read it in a couple times, different translations. I'm going to read it from Living Bible. Not that Bible, but Living Bible. It says, before I go, let me pray. Father, we come once again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. On this day, we set aside as a day of worship. Whether in person, whether in at home, joining in online, we come together and worship God. And say that you are good, you are awesome, you are mighty God. We say you are worthy of all praise and glory. We come to meet with you. We come to honor you. We come today, God, asking that you will meet with us again as you always do. Speak to us, God. We ask for not only good teaching, not, not only truth, but we want your nearness and presence, God, we live in. We love you, we honor you, we give you glory. Father, especially will you help me today, God, with my tongue. It will be concise and clear, short and sweet and powerful, God. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I'm going to read from Living Bible. About this time, Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the nation. The census was taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone was required to return to his ancestral home for this re registration. But, and because Joseph was a member of the royal line, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, King David's ancient home, journeying there from the Galilean village of Nazareth. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn. I know we know this story so well. 
I know this is a familiar story. I know we definitely hear and talk about it in every Christmas season. But I, I, for me, I thought it would be great for us to go back. Often it is good to rehearse and go back and remember some of the important foundational stories, that narratives that really shapes who we are, our understanding about God. This is one of those stories. I want us to take, I want us to take a closer look at this story. Slowly, we want to look at it a little bit, and I want to highlight a few things and mention a few things and, and, and that we can meditate on the Son of God who was born and came to us as our Savior. And now, this time I'm reading for NASB, my favorite version. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, next slide, that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. I highlight a few things, right? It says, uh, in those days, you have to understand, when, when this happened, you have to understand, for hundreds of years, Israel, people, God's people, after being taken into exile in Babylon, and they, the, the nation destroyed, a temple destroyed, they were in exile, and they come back, they, be, they rebuilt their temple in a smaller scale. But in those their years were very, very difficult. They were under a number of different, uh, 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 what do you call, uh, um, powerful countries or, you know, uh, running over them. This time they were under the control of Roman Empire, probably one of the most powerful empires ever been. And they were living in that difficult time. And they had probably, they call it about three, four hundred years where there was no word given. No prophetic words ever came. It was a very difficult time. But yet they were holding on to the promise that God will restore Israel. And there were hundreds of promises that God was saying he would send a Messiah and deliverer to restore God's people. And in, in, in is on those, and now they've been waiting. And, and the crazy thing is, you know, um, not, 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 not this part. Yet, you know, we, some of us have been studying the book of Daniel for the last probably three months or so. We, we've been looking at how God literally gave Daniel in chapter 9 of the book, and, and, and his prophetic words, how it will be 490 years when that the Christ will, Messiah will come. And literally, if you want to go back and actually, actually even date when you have exactly came. So there was a promise, and there are a lot of promises they were waiting, yet most people lost hope. In, in, this, in those days, the version we read, Living Bible, I read because it says, at that time. One of the things I realized as I studied and looked at this uh, um, Advent stories is that more and more it talks about time. About 16 times in those three, four stories, it talks about time, how important the timing is. Timing is important in our lives. God knows, God knows our times, and God controls our times. Let me go back, let me go in. So here, I see Caesar Augustus, the emperor of this Roman Empire, decrees a census to be taken. And, and so the, you know, one of the first things I noticed is in the story, I looked at it because to, to see this is not a fable. This is not a made-up story. Some people would like to believe that. 
and somehow discount what Christ, well, who Christ is, what God has done. It is a history. You can actually go back to the history, find out there was an emperor named Caesar, Augustus, and he did decree all these things. You can definitely know this is not a made-up fable or story, but it is a history. Let me continue in the story. In the story, it says everyone was on his way because the emperor declared everybody is going to their home. Think about if the president of the United States declared everyone, we want everybody to go back to your state, your home state, and be, take your census. Have to do it next two weeks, let's say. I bet you we will go crazy. And I, I don't think we will listen to it. We will all have a lawsuit or whatever. We don't want to do this. You are taking away our, our you know, liberty and all those things. But if, if there was a soul, everybody would be traveling everywhere. How caring it would be. In the midst of all that, there is this couple, this man named Joseph, a carpenter. You know the story. And who is engaged to a young woman named Mary. And she was probably quite young, many scholars believe. And, that, and so he was from the town of David, the Bethlehem. In verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, and who was engaged to him and, and was with child. The, the story is amazing in the sense, you see, here's the thing. I bet you Joseph didn't know what was happening. He only he knows this is an inconvenient thing he has to do. He has to follow the law. So he is doing all this, you know, you know and taking his you know, fiancée, not quite married yet, but she's pregnant. You know the, you know the story. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to refresh this, uh, remind you the story again. Mary, pregnant woman, traveling to city Bethlehem. There was no car, no, no Uber, no uh, train or nothing. I don't know if they were rich enough to ride a donkey. I know a lot of stories, a lot of, you know, the um, plays people make, they have Mary riding a donkey. Bible never says she rode a donkey. They were, maybe they were pulling up where she walked. Pregnant woman, walking. Miles and miles to go. And this is not an easy road. Miles and miles to go to Bethlehem, his hometown to be, to take census was not an easy thing. So he goes, and I bet he's complaining all the way through. If he was like me, if he was like my wife who never complained, and get it done. But anyhow, but what you, what you see is that in that thing is that the reason is, this happening is because Messiah, who is to come, is to be born in Bethlehem. God prophesied by Prophet Micah about 730 BC, at least 730 years before Jesus was born, prophesied saying that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. But that promised God's word to be fulfilled. You see, God was working in the history, moving the heart of Caesar Augustus, the emperor, to decree, uh, uh, you know, to decree to have a census to be taken. And the perfect, at the right timing, this Joseph, when Mary will go to that city to be taken census. He doesn't, what, he does not know what's going on. He just, but in the background, you see God working. Listen. 
This was not coincidence or accident. It was orchestrated by God. Sovereign God. He has purpose and plan. He wanted this thing to happen, this, uh, the Messiah to be born at a place that he determined, a point of place that he had in mind. And uh, one, one, of the, one of the amazing things in this uh, story about Jesus' birth is that how God is working behind the scene in the history, making all things work according to his purpose and plan. People didn't know it, nobody understood, but God was working in the back. Listen, we are in a difficult season, aren't we? We, we got begin the year 2020 saying we're going to have a 2020 in, in the vision, talked about vision, having a right vision and all kind of things. We, talk, we got begun the year talking about it's time to dream that this 2020 was a difficult year. What dream? What dream? Things are chaotic. We are more worried about now being infected by disease. You know, to see all of you with the mask on on you know, Sunday, you know, this is where we are. But what we, do not, what we do not know is God in the back making all things work. This is why we have hope. Even though we do not see, God is in control. Amen? God is in control. He knows what he's doing. He has purpose and plans. And therefore, he actually declares what he will do in advance. He does it. <clears throat> this is why prophetic words are very important. God says that I will do this. And it happens as, as he said he will. Showing that he's able to do things powerful. Not only that, he knows the time and the seasons. He is mighty God. He is sovereign. Declares that. Bible time and time after says, who has done anything like that? No one. Our God declares what he will do, and he does it. Let me continue the story. You know, let me continue the story. Verse 6. While they were there, Joseph now and Mary now got to Bethlehem. The days were completed, it says. The, uh, the living, living, living Bible, it says, the time came, the time came. And I think for me, this, this is not just a, a phrase saying it's time for baby to come. I think it's more than, it's, I think more things, more than that goes on here. It's saying the time is complete for the God's time has come. God's planned time had come. Just as God has planned it, just as God has said it would. Now, while they're in the, the place for her to give birth, she gave birth to her firstborn son. This is good. This year, you know, Hope Church is having babies, all sons, no daughters. All sons. And the and, and next baby that we're expecting is my granddaughter, my, my, my grand, fourth grandchild. It will be a girl next year. This is the year of the sons and the boys. Interesting. Let me stop there. I don't want to go any further on that. She wrapped him in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You see, I want you to understand. It was not a coincidence that while they were taking census in Bethlehem, 
Not only was she pregnant, but they had a baby there. See, he was, they were there to take census. They were not there for a long time. As I got there, that she's pregnant, fully pregnant, and has a baby there in Bethlehem. Just as God planned at God's time. I bet you, I don't think Mary thought it was a good time. I don't think Joseph would have thought it was a good time. But God thought it was, a, God said it was a perfect time. The few, let me just stop and say a few things about time. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it says, There is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven, under the version. And Good News Translation says, Everything that happens in this world happens at the time God chooses. We think we are choosing things, but at the right time, it happens as God sees it happen. This is important. And I, I want to take a little time to talk about this. Actually, this is taken, uh, really, I, I was listening to some of the messages by Rick Warren, and this is one of the things he's uh, sharing this. I want to mention quickly. I, I'm not, I don't have time to explain a lot. Think about God's timing a little bit. Timing is everything, isn't it? Good picture to a bad one is about timing. A good pitcher, you'll pay $80 million, a contract, to throw, no, not football, the baseball, this baseball. Somebody will not pay nothing, so, and then you will not let him play, play at all. It's all about timing. Good jokes and bad jokes, differentiate, differentiate, difference is the timing. I have way of destroying all the jokes because I miss all the timing. Timing is important. And a couple of things. Number one, God has a timetable for everything that happens. Amen? That's good, isn't it? Number two, God doesn't, but God doesn't always tell us all the details. Why? Like the movie, you can't handle it. You can't, you can't handle the truth. Often you can't handle if God tells all the, all the details of things that he will do. Not only that, I bet you will try to abuse it and they're getting into trouble. God doesn't always tell us the things that, that he, in his mind. Third, God, this is good. God is never in hurry and never late. God's timing is always perfect. Some people are in, in this season, you may be, you know, uh, trying to start a family. I don't know. You, you are waiting for different things, a new job. You're maybe you're looking for new things, whatever it might be. And maybe it's not, it's not happening fast enough. God, what are you doing? I'm losing. I'm, I'm, the time is running out. We, we sometimes we, we wonder because we are, we are anxious about time. And, and when we are when in our wrong times, you know, you know, you say the right thing at the wrong time is wrong. Doing the right thing at the wrong time is wrong too. Right thing at the right time makes all the difference in the world. Fourth, God's timing is not always convenient for us, is it? It's not. Look at Joseph and Mary. Timing wasn't, that God's timing wasn't convenient at all. It would have been nice if they had time to actually travel to 
Bethlehem and maybe settle there but not, and then nicely have a baby. What if, no, this, this is inconvenient. Often God's time is inconvenient, not convenient at all. I thought I, I preached too long, so I saw kids coming in. Oh my, did I go on that long? Okay. Finally, at, this is good. Finally, at the right time, God can do anything Im- immediately, instantly. You've been waiting for a long time and you're doing all kinds of things, but at the right time, God can accomplish things like this. This is our God. At all the things we try, we, are, we may be working, but at the right time, God can do things just like this, meaning I can trust in him. You know, and one of the most difficult places in life is in God's waiting room. Isn't it? When you're in the place, when God says, you wait in the place, it's so difficult to handle. And in that waiting room that God has for us, we can do stupid things. But in those times, we grow and become more like God, more like what he made us to be. And let me go back to the story. Verse I'm go back. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her first son. Notice, I bet you notice that first son. I bet you didn't notice that, right? You didn't say just her son, her firstborn son, meaning she had many more sons afterwards. Contrary to what Catholic Church believes, and laid him in, and she wrapped him in, in cloth, laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the end. I want to dwell here a little bit. You know the story. And God who controls all things, God who orchestrated all the history so that promised Messiah will be born in Bethlehem through a virgin. Young woman that chooses this baby, his Messiah to be born in a manger. In a barn with the animals. This is not cool. And if I, if I was God, and I'm not, you know, this is not what I would do. If I was God, I would put, I would have the baby born in a five-star hotel or even something better than that. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, my, my wife was uh, in, in our work doing some kind of uh, um, arrangement for her conference and that the hotel, because what she was doing, gave her one of the the presidential suite, which was $8,000 a night. She never got to really use that. And I said, can I come in? Can I come in and see? No, we cannot. And she, she just slept in and worked and went out for three days, but $8,000 a night. I would have the Messiah, son of God, who would say, Savior of the world, to be born in the places like that, not in a manger. Why manger? This is the point of the whole Christmas story. God would... Control the history. God who is sovereign. God chooses his son, Messiah, to be born in a manger. That's the scandal, if you want to say, a wonder of Christmas. And I think often we, older we know it, I think we sort of often forget the spirit and meaning of that. Why? Because it's God's way. God's way. God's way is different from our ways, human ways. 
Let me mention a few scripture verses to talk about this a little bit. In Luke chapter 9, and Jesus says to those who, have, who wants to follow him, he says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus, all his public ministry, he lived. He identified himself with poor. He didn't live for riches or not. He lived in a, and he didn't live in privilege or luxury. In, in this world, powerful and powerful and, and people of authority has riches, has all kind of lux privileges or not. Our God didn't choose to do that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, amazing verse. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. He chose to become poor for our sake. Isn't this is this powerful? And one of the my, one of the most deepest, most profound places in the whole Bible in Philippians chapter two, verse uh, seven and uh, seven through nine. This is what it says. Verse six: Christ was truly God, but he did not try to remain equally God. Look at verse seven. But emptied himself. He older his, he was God, truly God, and, and he emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, being made in, in the likeness of a man, being found in appearance as a man. See, he's talking about here how Messiah, the Son of God, became a human being. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is who our Lord Jesus Christ is. God, who emptied himself, humbled himself voluntarily for our sake, not his sake, for our sake. That's who Christ was, is. This is what, who our God is like. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Mark chapter 10, verse 45. In his, his, his conversation with disciples, the disciple who came and said, you know, uh, John and James, uh, uh, two brothers, sons of thunder, came and asked one day, Jesus, you know, can you give, me, can you give us whatever we ask? And, 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 they, and they, Jesus, okay. Jesus, and they, Jesus, what do you want? And he, they, told, they told Jesus, saying, when you come into your glory, can we see it on your right and the left? And so when you come into your glory, we want to be right next to you in, 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 in honor and glory. And all the other disciples are upset. Well, they are trying to take the, uh, the higher or the rank, whatever it might be, and they were not happy. Jesus told them, you know, those in this world, the people in this world, the, the, the authorities and leaders, they rule over you, the Lord over you. But you are not to be like that. Right? He says, well, whoever wishes to, and then he says, whoever wishes to become great among you, you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to first be first among you shall be slave of all. Look at verse 40. But this is so good. For even the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve, and gave his life as a ransom for many. In this verse 1045, chapter 10, verse 45, here is 
Mark, Gospel Mark's point of uh, understanding of what, why, how Christ came. Christ came not to be served. He came to serve and give his life as ransom, redemption for many people. He will give his life to sacrificially for others' sake. This is why he came. This is what Christmas is. This is what Christmas is. Shows who our God is. This is why God who controls the universe, God who controls the history, God, God who can do anything, chose his son, Messiah, to be born in a manger. In a manger. You see, Christmas is God on display. It is a time God is showing the whole world who he is, what he is like. What our God looks like. You want to look at God? Look at the Bethlehem and the manger. You want to, you want to, look what, you want to know what God looked like? Look at Jesus. Look at the birth of our Lord Jesus. You see glimpse and the picture of our God. In this world, powerful. You know, and they, they, get, they go for privileges or not. You know, I don't know why I was doing some research on the, on the computer looking for the most expensive cars out there. I don't know. I spent hours on doing this thing. Let me see if I can find this thing. You know, one of the most expensive, the most expensive the cars that was sold is, I think, 2013, I believe, for $52 million. Can you give me a share a little bit? I, 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 you know, I would love. Okay, let me if I can find this thing. I wrote it down somewhere. And, you know, and the top 25 most expensive uh, cars out there, and uh, I wish I had. No, I, I, I don't wish one, but uh, yeah, sorry, I have here it is. I wrote it down. 18th most expensive car, Aston Martin Valkyrie. Valkyrie Kiri, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. 2.6 million dollars. 17 on the list is Ferrari La Ferrari FXX. Uh, dash K, Evo, $2.7 million. Number 10, Lamborghini CN, $3.6 million. Number 5, Bugatti Devo, $5.9 million. Second, second most expensive car this year was Rolls-Royce Sweptail, $13 million. The most expensive car this year was Pegani Zonda HB. Bachera, I, I, I bet you I'm not pronouncing it right. 17.5 17. million dollars. This is what world talk thinks about powerful. This is not how God looks at things. In this world, the powerful and have they lives on privileges. Like in California, you will make a law saying you cannot to dining outside, even outside dining, and they will, they'll make the law, and the next day they'll go themselves and eat because they think they're above the law. That's not our God. Our God is humble God. He didn't come in the power, but people want powerful ways. He came in a humble ways. Why the for the sake of others? Why did he do it? Because we may be saved. We may find life. He became poor that we may, we may be become Rich in him. 
This is the way of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Christmas is God on display. The question we have to ask is, why was Messiah born in a manger? Why was Messiah born through a virgin, young virgin girl who was probably, I bet people gossip, saying, that girl who is not married, she has baby, she's pregnant, she must have been, you know, immo- she must be immoral. And God chose all this way and said he will do this way and he does it to say he, is, he came to save the world. This is the first, first advent. See, John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh, talking about Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. That glory is the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, the full of grace and truth. Jesus, when he lived, came to us, he showed the glory of the Father. He showed who God is to us. Thus, leading to the most famous Christmas passage in the whole Bible. I believe this is Christmas passage, John 3.16. The most Christmas-like verse in the whole Bible God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. So that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's that's what Christmas is about. Our God who loved us so much, he gave his son for the sake of us, sake of the broken, rebellious, people who are uh, uh, walking away from God, people who are Doing it, they said, God, and when he came and, and to save us, he gave his son. All in it is believe in him. That, 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 that's the last verse in that chapter 2, verse 7. Because there's no room in the end. That word is not just talking about Jesus' birth. It's talking about even now in this world. In many people, there's no room in their heart for Messiah and our God who can rescue us. And no room in the end. So here's the thing. So what? What does so what does this mean? So what does this mean? Let me have the praise him come up. What does what does this mean? The Christmas advent is about God, humble God coming for our sake. And, and, and it's so fitting in, in, in the gospel of Luke. Every time, every, every time the story about Christ's birth happens, there's a worship. The angels in, in the field, in, you know, the, the shepherds in the field praises God. Angel shows up, praises God. And when Jesus, when, 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 when they come to the manger and, 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 and they worship Jesus. And when, when the baby Jesus is now taken into the, the synagogue and the temple to be dedicated, there's a worship. Everywhere there's a worship. See, you see, the gospel Mark says, when, when you see our God, mighty and lofty God coming humbly for our sake, our natural response is, we worship, hallelujah. God loves us. We give you glory. That's what Christmas is about. God, we worship you. We give you glory. We give you thanks. Yes, it's about the gift that God gave us. You know, and you know, I know we spend a lot of time shopping for gifts. You know, and you know, and I, I don't, you know, probably this year, not as much because of pandemic, but still, I bet you people still go out shopping. 
I put the lines a long period of shopping, and we, some of we turned Christmas into something very, very different from what it meant to be. It was about what it, Christmas really was God on display. Let me encourage you, uh, people of God. Let this Christmas season, let your life be a God on display. If God was on display in Christmas, how he came as a humble king, should, shouldn't our lives show that we are the followers of the humble king, becoming more like him? I'm so, I'm so uh, glad, I'm so thankful that, you know, and I think that uh, Brock was hearing the voice of God. They chose to sing the song, one of my favorite Christmas songs ever, today. And the, you know, the light of the world. No, no, here I'm to worship. It, it, and I, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't know, they, I don't know, that's why, I don't think that's why he chose it. But for me, that is probably the most Christmas-like song praises out there, other than those Christmas carols. You know, it, you know, it says, you know, light of the world. How does it go? He steps, step down into darkness. And then? Open my eyes to see, right? And and go and that you know and second verse second verse is actually even better. King of humbly humbly came to the earth. He created all for love's sake became poor. How much Christmas can it be? This praise is about. Christ coming, humbling and coming to us as a Messiah. In this season, we worship God, we honor God. We choose his ways to humble ourselves for the sake of others. See, in humility, we'll find peace. Without humility, there'll be no peace. You see, the answer to this broken world that needs peace, God sent his son in a humble way. And brings peace. Let's come. Let's draw near. Do you have room in your heart for the Messiah who came? Are we too busy with things and veered away from who Christ is, what He came to do for us, what what who, who He is to us? Father God, we come today, we love you, we honor you, we thank you, God. We worship you for your wisdom in your powerful way, your love in which you loved us. You gave your only son, Jesus, to be even born in a manger, declaring that you are king, that you humbled yourself for our sake. We love you, God, we give you glory, God. We thank you for the gift that you have given us. Mercy that you have given us in Christ Jesus. We honor you today. We thank you for who you are. We want our lives to declare the beauty and glory of our God. Be humble God, humble King. We worship you, we love you God. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand.